Welcome to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about sci-fi, horror, fantasy, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Snyderman501, Nick Snyder, and this week I am without John. Don't worry, I personally am without COVID. Something has just prevented John from turning up to the sound studio this week. Hopefully, he'll be back, he'll be back for our next episode. Before we get started with this week's episode, just want to remind everybody that you can follow us on Twitter at the area 51H. You can also find us on Instagram by following the area 51H. Same thing with Twitch, the area 51H. I'm also proud to announce you can now find us on all your favorite streaming platforms. We are on Spotify, we are on Apple, we are on Google, we are on Amazon, as well as plenty of other platforms. Tell your friends, tell your family, hell, tell people you don't even like to come check us out. Now, we're going to start off with the pop culture roundup this week. We're going to start with Bruce Willis this week. Now, as some of you may have heard... Bruce Willis is retiring from acting. He is retiring from filmmaking. It comes as a bit of a shock. Bruce Willis has been an action mainstay for the, wow, the better part of nearly 40 years. We know him so well from the Die Hard movies. He is John McClane himself. And he has done, you know, he's done a lot outside of action as well. We all know him. We all love him. And it's kind of sad to see it happen because it's not something he's clearly choosing to do. It's down to a diagnosis of aphasia. Now, aphasia can be caused by a lot of different things. It, it, it affects cognitive ability. And we, we can sit here and speculate about what may have caused the aphasia. But at the end of the day, it, we're not going to do that. Bruce Willis, at the end of the day, Bruce Willis has had to retire, and that's it, and it really, really sucks. Now, moving on to another possible, possible retiree, possible, we have Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey has simply said that he likes his alone time. Now, Jim Carrey also, well, he's also been um, in, in the comedy, the center of comedy for the better part of 30 years, probably over 30 years now. And he's gone on to do some really, really good dramatic um, performances as well. One of my, and I know, I know I get flack for this, but one of my favorite Jim Carrey films is actually the number 27. I really enjoy that. It's a, it's a slick little ride. It's really, really twisted and really kind of out there. And it's just kind of one of those movies that's really up my alley. I really like that. And of course, um, of course, Ace Ventura is just fantastic the original ace ventura and honestly i it, i was a kid when ace ventura and the, and the sequel came out i have a place in my heart for for both those movies i love them both i know the second one gets some slack because it is well it's, it's really silly but whatever it's a lot of fun and of course the mask the mask is probably jim carrey's best comedic film it's a movie i love i know it's a movie a lot of people love and of course, the the new Sonic movies, where you kind of get a a back to form Jim Carrey, where he plays Doctor Robotnik, and he's he's playing him up as this kind of very cartoonish villain, very Jim Carrey style cartoonish villain, and it's a lot of fun to watch. He has just stated that he wants to retire, and you know, good on him. He's done his work. I 
I would I would love to see a dark gritty reboot of Ace Ventura before he retires, but I don't think that's going to happen. He's he he's already said he doesn't like the idea of doing sequels. He's done a couple sequels already. Mentioned Ace Ventura, already mentioned Sonic. I can't think of any other sequels he's done. Oh, and before we move on, I do want to say one of my all-time favorite films is a Jim Carrey film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I, again, a real weird film, um, but a really enjoyable one. Now, I don't know if you caught it this past Wednesday, but Marvel and Disney Plus's new series, Moon Knight, has premiered, and it's it's weird, and <laughs> I enjoyed it. It it didn't have the the impact that the previous Marvel Disney Plus shows had, and I think that comes down to the fact that we're actually seeing a a full-on new character get a show. We haven't seen a new character get a show since the Netflix series. Moon Knight is completely new to the to the Marvel Universe. And Oscar Isaac is just killing it in this, this weird little dual personality role. It was a lot of fun. I'm really digging Ethan Hawke in this film. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with that, where they go with him, and where they see what, where they go with the entire series. To be honest, because it looks like a it looks like a total banger. It looks great. I, I'm loving it so far. If you haven't checked it out, definitely make sure to do that. Previously on social media on our Twitter account, I did say, well, I alluded to the fact that John and I were were going to be discussing the 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 big thing. That happened at the Oscars this uh, the other week. The the slap heard around the world when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Now I'm not going to discuss that this week. Uh, it's something that really should involve me and John because we have some we have some good opinions on it. There's some good uh, back and forth on this between us. So what we will do is we'll keep an eye on the situation going forward. And if something interesting comes up about it, we'll discuss it then. Now, this past weekend was, before we get into the meat of what I want to discuss this week, this past weekend was WrestleMania. And I got to put a bit of a growl on my voice there, do the, do the Vince McMahon thing, because it is WrestleMania. It's, it's, it's a huge deal. And it, over the past few years, it has become an even bigger deal. It's gone from a one-night pay-per-view. It's gone from being the granddaddy of them all, to a giant wrestling festival in the city that it's held in this week, or this, this year being Dallas, Texas. When you when you pick up tickets to go to WrestleMania, it's now a two-night show. Now, you can choose to go to one night or the other, or you can go to both. That is That is totally up to you. But when you're there, the entire city turns into the wrestling mecca of the world. You don't just have WWE. You have... Other independent shows, they're running shows. So you've, you've got vendors, you got merchandise all over the place. you got wrestlers that you probably haven't seen in a good long while on television there. It is, it, it, it's a heck of a thing. I, I would love to go, hopefully, um, hopefully one year I will actually be able to go to WrestleMania. But it just seems like so much fun. Now, this year, and what, what I'll do for WrestleMania, I'm not going to go over the entire show because that's 15 matches and a whole bunch of segments. I'm, 
I'm not condensing two nights worth of wrestling into five minutes or 15 minutes or what have you. But what I will do is go over some of the highlights of the two-night event. So, and, and let's talk about the two-night event. So, when you when you look at WrestleMania weekend, you have the SmackDown on the Friday night. You have the NXT pay-per-view on the Saturday afternoon. Then you have the first night of WrestleMania, and then the second night of WrestleMania. All in all, that is probably around 15 to 16 hours worth of wrestling on your television. And to be fair, at that point, WWE should consider paying us for that because that's a lot of watching. But I digress. So let's talk a little bit about what happened during WrestleMania. So one of the first real highlights for me was the Mysterios versus The Miz and Logan Paul. The Mysterios, of course, being Rey Mysterio and his son, Dominic. The Miz and Logan Paul teaming up. It was, an, it was a neat match. Honestly, I'm angry at Logan Paul for this match. Because how dare he? How dare he come into the WWE and actually be impressive? <laughs> like, that's the thing. He impressed me. It was weird. I, I've... I don't really have a lot of exposure to Logan Paul beyond seeing him in some YouTube stuff. Um, I actually can't really tell the difference between him and his brother. But, yeah, no, he came in and he obviously did some work behind the scenes to get caught up. And he, honestly, he I think he could work. I think he could work as a wrestler. He knew what he was doing in the ring. It got a little bit goofy during the afterbirth because after the match, Miz had pinned Rey Mysterio. And then Miz turns on Logan Paul because, of course, he does. Because he can be the only superstar A-lister in the WWE. So he, he face plants Logan Paul. And I guess Logan Paul didn't realize what was going on. Because as he's going down, as as Miz has him locked in, he goes down and he's still smiling. He's still got, still got a big, goofy grin on his face because he won the match. And then Miz blows him a kiss all sarcastically and it's... It's clearly going to lead up to something else. I'm kind of interested in seeing where it go- where it goes because I'd like to see Logan Paul do some more stuff in a WWE ring. Uh, another highlight was Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Oh, I don't know if it was really a highlight. I love Becky Lynch. I think she is all around one of the best pro wrestlers, and I don't just mean one of the best female pro wrestlers, one of the best woman pro pro wrestlers. I legitimately think that her, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks and a handful of others can hang with some of the best men's wrestlers. And I'm talking Bret Hart. I'm talking Shawn Michaels. I'm talking Stone Cold. I'm talking The Rock. Like, they can hang with them. They're good on the mic. They're good in the ring. Becky Lynch is in that top tier. She is fantastic. Bianca Belair. I like Bianca Belair. But she's not in that tier. And it shows. Becky Lynch carried that match but there were some other things about the match that i just kind of thought was eh. like bianca belair's whole gimmick is this huge ponytail that she has that she and it goes down to her ankles it's a legit ponytail it's not a weave it's not a wig it's nothing like that it's legit legitimately her hair and she uses it as a weapon to whip people which whatever whatever gets people over if it works and people don't boo it i think it's a great uh, I, i like it Whatever they can do to get themselves over. 
That being said, I think it should be used as a it should have been used as a piece of business because Becky Lynch is supposed to be ruthless and underhanded and just completely heelish. And she only uses the hair against her once. Now, like I said, it's being used as a weapon. I think it should be her greatest weakness as well. Any heel should be using that against her. But it's it's not. And I think that kind of makes the whole thing fall flat. The entire match fell flat. Bianca Belair won. I'm happy for her that she won. I'm happy for her that she, she goes on to kind of re- get back her title after losing it after like 10 seconds at SummerSlam to Becky Lynch. So... Overall, it was a fun match, but I, I think they could have done a lot more with it. Uh, of course, we had Seth Rollins versus a superstar of Vince McMahon's choosing. Now, the, the build-up for this was really bothersome for me. Seth Rollins lost... So the story was Seth Rollins was trying to get a match at WrestleMania. And so he was having matches with the intention of it getting him a WrestleMania spot but he kept losing his matches and he lost all of his matches the month going into wrestlemania which is not a good look especially for a main eventer like seth rollins and then the week before wrestlemania he gets called to titan towers which is the head office of wwe he has a meeting with vince McMahon. he thinks vince is going to fire him because he's lost all of his matches and vince just says well if you wanted a match at wrestlemania why didn't you ask because apparently it's that easy. That's that's silly. The whole thing's silly. One, they made Seth Rollins look like an utter fool going into WrestleMania by having him lose all of his matches. It makes him look like a loser. It looks it makes him look like a douchebag. Um, and then for it to just be a case of, well, you should have asked. Well, that's also problematic because WrestleMania is supposed to be the biggest show of the year, and there should be a a threshold that they should surpass to get into that show and not just ask. And I get Seth Rollins, a main eventer. He's a former champion. And maybe there is some logic in just asking, but I, I'm i not thrilled with it. So Cody Rhodes returned and faced off against Seth Rollins. Great to see Cody back. They referred to him as the prodigal son. I can't think of a better description for him in this case. But the problem is, he came back, and he beat a loser. He beat Seth Rollins, who had just spent the last month losing matches. So, I the story going into this should have been Seth Rollins. If he had lost all these matches, it should have been Seth Rollins coming in to prove himself. And getting that win, and showing that he's still worth it. The story clashes here, because Cody Rhodes is coming back to prove himself. And he proved himself against nothing. He proved himself against a loser. It was a... I like the fact that Cody's back in WWE. I think that Cody is... And has always been... A a future WWE champion. He deserves that belt. He can carry that belt. Cody Rhodes has taken everything. He took everything that the WWE threw at him whether it was a mask, whether his gimmick was a mask protecting his face, whether his gimmick was a mustache, whether his gimmick was a knockoff of his brother's gimmick, uh, Goldust via, you know, Stardust, he has taken it and he has 
hit constant home runs with his performances. He has the look, he has the pedigree, and he can talk. He is a future WWE champion, and having him back is amazing because I think he'll reach that potential. But having him back to beat Seth Rollins after losing four matches in a row is just weak sauce. It's totally, totally stupid. I hope they do something fun with him going forward. I hope they do something good with him going forward. But this was just not the best way to bring him back. Uh, We ended off the night with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens on the Kevin Owens Show, on the KO Show. Now, the idea behind this feud is that Kevin Owens, uh, the the Montreal native, from Montreal, Canada, he has been running down Texas for the past month, trying to goad Stone Cold into coming on to his show to, to chat, and Stone Cold accepted that offer. And Stone Cold... When he came in, the crowd, of course, first and foremost, it's Dallas, Texas. Secondly, it is a WWE crowd. When the glass shattered and Stone Cold came out, the crowd went absolutely nuts. It was insane watching these people go. Everybody was screaming their head off. There there was no one sitting on their hands for this. Everybody was excited to see Stone Cold. And it was the first time we've we've seen Stone Cold every so often, you know. I mean, he has his podcast, but and he's been on TV a few times, you know. Obviously, the Hall of Fame and a few other things as well. But this is this was this was something else. So he comes down, he does his four corners pose, he kicks KO's uh sign the KO show signs out of the ring, sits down and a little bit back and forth, and then Kevin Owens says, "I tricked you, Stone Cold. I tricked you to come here." See, I brought you here for a fight. And Stone Cold says, I fought my first match right here in Dallas, Texas. Indicating that this is going to be his last match. So, it's a street fight. No holds barred match. No holds barred match. And it goes, honestly, the fact that Austin can still do what he did at his age. He's in his late 50s and his... His body's been through the ringer. So seeing him do a lot of the stuff that he used to do, seeing him do a lot of the stuff that... Seeing him keep up with Kevin Owens, who is no slouch in the ring himself. He's one of he's one of the best, newer guys right now. And to see those two go at it was amazing. Stone Cold obviously won. Uh, there was, you know, there was a Stone Cold Stunners, and there was the beer. And my favorite part is when he brought the... Uh, the announcer Byron Saxton up into the ring to offer him a beer and then give him a Stone Cold Stunner, as Stone Cold is is very wont to do back in the old days. It was fun. It was pure nostalgia bait. It was pure nostalgia bait, but it was so much fun. It brought me back to being a teenager again. I loved Stone Cold. I loved all of those storylines with Stone Cold, and it was just great to watch. Um, so that was the, that was the end of night one. And it was honestly, it wasn't a terrible show. I enjoyed it. Uh, the next night started off with Triple H. Now, if you don't know what's happened with Triple H, he's had what the WWE called a cardiac event. Now it's, uh, it's something to do with genetics. His father had it, his, his grandfather had it, but basically his heart no longer works properly and he has a defibrillator. 
Now, just so everybody knows, I recorded this show once before, and it took me 10 takes to get defibrillator right, and I just did it in one. So I deserve some applause for that. Just saying. Just saying. All right, so he has a defibrillator, and he can't wrestle anymore. Triple H comes down, simply says thank you, and starts the show off. He leave, he does the uh, the traditional thing of leaving his boots in the ring. His work boots in the ring. His wrestling boots. And the show gets started. Now, I'm going to skip a couple of matches here. We're going to talk about Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. This match was a cartoon fever dream. It was utterly ridiculous. I did not like it. Just just to be clear, I did not like this. This was... I, I, I like comedy in wrestling, but this was beyond stupid. And I did not like it. And there's been a lot of people comparing it to the Ghostbusters angle in AEW back in October. This was this was just as dumb. Like there's people saying that, oh, this was like there are people defending this, and there are people crapping on the the Ghostbusters angle. No, no, they were both stupid. They were both awful. There was a giant mouse trap, a giant human-sized mouse trap in this match. That wasn't good. That was stupid. There was um, there was a, a machine with a prosthetic leg on it that was used to kick Sami Zayn in the in the in the ghoulies, and then there was a run in by uh, Mae Young's son. If you've been watching wrestling for like thirty years, you'll you'll understand that reference. <laughs> Either way, wasn't a fan of this. I wound up skipping through it. Uh, Johnny Knoxville won with the help of his jackass crew. It was really. It started off at Royal Rumble to promote Jackass, and it just turned into a thing. The build-up was great. I enjoyed the build-up, but not a great match. Uh, we had AJ Styles versus Edge. Now, this is sad for me, because I love both these guys, but man, I was not into this match. And I, I, I think I may have just been burned out from the show at this point, but I just I watched it. I stopped paying attention for a while. They're doing some great stuff with Edge. Doing a lot of great stuff with Edge. They he has he has changed his character, but not in a not in a convoluted way, in a very uh, in a way that makes sense. Now, next up, we had Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory, and this match was a banger. So, first and foremost, I don't have a lot of exposure to Pat McAfee. He is ex NFL guy. And he currently works as a commentator, either for SmackDown or Raw. He works with Michael Cole. And I'm not overly impressed with his commentary because he puts me in mind to Truman Capote. And that's, that can get a bit grating. But if I was a brand new fan or a casual who had not watched in a while, I would think Pat McAfee was the biggest star in the company after this match. He put on such a show. And the crowd went absolutely nuts for him. Absolutely insane for him. It was it was wild. And so and he impressed me in the ring. Some of the stuff he could do. Very athletic guy. Obviously because he's at XNFL, but um there's there's a there's a move where Austin Theory went to reverse something that Pat McAfee was doing on the second rope, and he just Pat McAfee just backflipped out of it and landed on his feet. And that was just completely unexpected. He did, he missed it, but he did a swanton bomb, and I, the the air he got off of that top rope was insane. And he's not a small guy. 
he is not a small guy. And for him to, to get that kind of air, I was shocked. It was all in all, it was a really good match. It was a lot of fun. Pat McAfee won that one, and then it led into a match between him and Vince McMahon. And then Vince McMahon won that, and then Stone Cold came down, and he stunned the world. He got he got in there. There was beer everywhere. Everybody was getting a Stone Cold stunner. And it was a good way to just kind of to just kind of kick off the the point before the main event. I think it made the, the fans really happy. Uh, main event was Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. I'm, I've always been a big fan of Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns has really grown on me the past couple years. And this was for a unification to, uh, match for the WWE Heavyweight Championship, WWE Universal Championship. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, it looks like there was, looks like Reigns may have been injured during the match and it kind of ended with a flat finish because of that. But that, we'll know more about that later. But that was WrestleMania in a nutshell. Overall, I enjoyed it. It's still, it's a lot of watching. It is a lot of watching, and I love wrestling, but that is a lot of wrestling to watch. But overall, uh, not the best WrestleMania I've seen, but certainly, certainly not the worst. And a lot of people on here impressed me. I'm really looking forward to seeing where Austin Theory's career goes. That guy has a great upside, and honestly, I kind of hope Pat McAfee transitions to an actual roster member because he's good in the ring, and he, he has a look. He, despite the fact he sounds like Truman Capote, he can talk, and he'd look good with a title around his, around his waist. So, whatever, whatever. Now, something I want to talk about with Morbius coming out this past weekend. Something I wanted to talk about is the reaction to this movie and the negative versus the positive. So, as we all know, Morbius has kind of been dragged by critics. Uh, one of my one of my favorite quotes from from one of the online critics was, and I, I forgive me, I can't remember who his name is, but basically it was Jared Leto gives a performance, and this certainly is a movie, and that that kind of sums up the reactions I've seen to it. The, a lot of people have said that it's it's not good. A lot of people have said that it's messy. But here's the other thing, and this is this is something that I think John and I will be able to kind of elaborate on in the future, but there seems to be this kind of camp of people that just seem to think that we should be grateful for what we're being spoon-fed and should just go see it and enjoy it nonetheless. Now, I have a problem with that. Now... <sighs> Well, let me be clear. I enjoy the Marvel films a lot. Overall, like the, the actual Marvel films, the Marvel Disney films. Overall, they're a lot of fun. They, they follow a formula, yes. But they're, in, in a sense, they're not too unlike pro wrestling. They, they have their, their actors they get over as these characters. They have twists and turns, heel turns and face turns and all that stuff. I mean, look at Loki. Loki started off as a bad bad guy. Now he's the protagonist in his own TV show. Um, Iron Man was essentially one of the bad guys for Ca Captain America Civil War. It's you, you have the same kind of storytelling, and it works out very well. Again, I don't think these movies, outside of the, the special effects aspect, I don't think these movies are Oscar-worthy or anything, but they're fun and they're entertaining, and they are decent stories, and they are well-acted. 
But then you get into the outliers, the the Sony Marvel movies, the the old Fox Marvel movies, all those things. And some of them tend to be really not good. I'm not going to say bad. Fantastic Four was bad. But other than that, I'm not going to say bad. New Mutants was bad. Okay, fine. All right, now Ghost Rider. Anyway, <laughs> you get my point. These movies... And we, we know the story of a lot of these movies, especially when you look at the most recent Fantastic Four movie. It suffered a lot from studio interference. Josh Trank, who had a wonderful career ahead of him until he did Fantastic Four, had some had a lot of work he was doing on this, on this movie, and Fox just interfered heavily, and it turned out to be a giant crap show. And we've seen we've seen movies in the past where, especially in Marvel films, especially superhero films, where the studio gets involved and it's not good. For uh, my go-to example for that is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Three. Sam Raimi did not want Venom in that movie, and Sony did because Venom was and still is an incredibly popular comic book villain. But they wanted to be able to make money off of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I get it. Hollywood is a business. you got to protect your investment. But by getting involved and forcing a director who doesn't, one, know anything about this character. Because Sam Raimi is an old school Spider-Man fan. He, he knows the Vulture. He knows Sandman. He knows Green Goblin. He didn't know the newer villains he didn't understand venom so that's why he didn't want to do it so you got that aspect and then you have producers who are businessmen getting involved in the creative process and from my experience that doesn't really work out too well so when this happens the movie tends to go to crap and it looks like that really was the case with morbius now, Morbius did do $40 million at the box offices, which, which is respectful. That's decent. Although, it's really funny because a lot of the, the memes on Twitter were people taking pictures of the theater they were in, and they, they were empty. But whatever, whatever. That's anecdotal. But here lies the problem, and this is kind of the thing here with, the, with critics. Critics can be an important tool, especially when you are on the fence about a movie. And Morbius was kind of it for me in this case. I was really waffling, and then I saw the reviews coming. I'm like, I don't think I want to spend my money on this movie. I will wait for streaming, and that's about it. Now, I voiced that opinion, and a couple people came for me on that. Well, you should just go and see it and make your own opinion. Now, normally, I would agree with that. Normally, I would agree with that. However, at this point in time, things are expensive and movies come at a premium. So, do I want to waste money on a movie I'm going to see and potentially abhor? No. No, I can't do that. But then you have people that I notice who are saying, oh, we should definitely see this movie because it's a Marvel film. Huh? I'm sorry, what? You know, I, I've always had this theory. Well, not always, but for the past ooh, five years, five, six years now, 
I've had this theory that we are now conditioned to go and see Marvel films. I, I, I've had this theory that the next Captain America movie could just be Kevin Feige in front of a white screen flipping people off and just singing I Got Your Money for two and a half hours and people would still go see it. Hyperbole, of course, but, you know, that's that's kind of the thing. I kind of feel like that's how it is. I feel like people are just going to... And I see this with so many different things. I see this with Star Trek. I see it with wrestling. I see it with Star Wars. I see it with, of course, Marvel. People are just happy that this is being made for them and we need to go and support it. And I don't believe that in the slightest. And I don't know why anyone would. Why would you... It's entertainment. Why would anyone give up their hard-earned money for entertainment that just exists? That's ridiculous. You don't you don't put down money for well, I guess you do put down money for a video game before you try it. Pre-order, of course, is a thing. Uh, so maybe maybe that's maybe that's where the whole thing's from. I don't know, but it just seems like such a silly idea, a silly theory to me that we should just go see this thing because it exists. And I'm not I'm not down with that. Now, if John were here right now, he'd say don't come for us, and I'm going to say don't come for us. But that's that's really that's really the thing is you have people who hardcore fanboys that will just go and see something because now and I, I don't want to take things away from people here because you know if you enjoy what you want to enjoy but on the other hand if people are going to be skeptical and critics are going to critic maybe you shouldn't be so judgmental of them because they're they are critics are providing a service and people okay critics are providing a service yes are some of them really biting yeah are some of them really pretentious of course but the fact of the matter is is they are for the for the vast majority they are just making sure that we are spending our money on something valuable something worthwhile not a movie with a a broken plot and a poor performance I shouldn't say per performance, from what I understand, both Jared Leto and Matt Smith do incredibly well in this film, but you get my point. So, that's kind of my point there. I I, I think, I've, I've always said, let people enjoy what they want to enjoy, but don't be so harsh on people for who don't want to go and enjoy the thing. Because they have their reasons. And a lot of the times those reasons are good. Some, sometimes those reasons are are ridiculous and silly. I will grant you that. But most of the time, they're good reasons. So to bring it to a close, faithful listeners, I just want to remind you that we are now on all your favorite podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course, Spotify. Please like us. Please rate us. Please follow us. Please share us. We want to see our, our, our audience grow, and we want to continue to bring you our content, which we love to do, and we know you like to hear it. So definitely share us and get the word out. Area 51 and a half. 
the coolest podcast in the universe. Until next time, I have been Snyderman501 speaking for my friend and yours, John Allen. Until next time, see ya.